Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to SOJC Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. You're listening to SOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. Good morning, and welcome to FOJC Radio Church. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper, and when two or three are gathered in His name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us, and here's Brother David. Good morning. And welcome to the January 11th, 2015 edition of FOJC Radio Church. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour, we are going to be studying the Word of God. So glad and so very thankful to have you all on board. This morning, we are going to have a lesson in Bible prophecy entitled, The Revelation of Jesus' Angel. The Revelation of Jesus' Angel. And we are going to be star-trekking this morning, saying some things that you've never heard said before. And we're going to have some profound revelation from God's Word this morning. And I know that's going to be a real blessing to the body. And as we do, we're going to prepare our hearts to receive the Word this morning with a few moments of worship. Let's worship the Lord together. I want to boldly stand for Jesus, 
Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the chance to be together this morning, for the chance to worship you and study your word. Father, we thank you so much for every hungry heart that's listening in this morning. Father, we pray that you mightily meet the needs and the lives of those represented this morning and that you help us to grow, Father. Help us to grow and wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of your son Jesus and we give you the praise for everything good that happens in Jesus name we pray amen and amen Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 our lesson is titled the revelation of Jesus angel Revelation 1 and 1 the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, if you notice here, there's a fourfold process. The revelation comes from God the Father to Jesus Christ to the angel and then to John. And if you will notice here, Jesus calls this angel his angel. Now, all through the book of Revelation, we see this angel interpreting the symbols to the Apostle John. And this angel will actually take the Apostle John and take him into the spiritual realm. And the identity of this angel is never revealed in the book of Revelation. It never comes out and says who this angel is. But when you study the passages where this angel speaks, it's like all through the book of Revelation, this angel is dropping clues to who he really is. And when we follow these clues and do the detective work, we are going to have the revelation of who Jesus' angel really is, and it's going to have a profound impact upon us in many, many ways. Now, 
Let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, and the book of Revelation begins and ends with the mention of this angel. And this is why we can see that this identification of Jesus' angel lets us know that this interpreting angel all the way through is the same angel. Now in Revelation 22.16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel. And once again, Jesus identifies this angel as his personal angel. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. And the role of this angel is very important because he is the one that testifies and interprets much of the symbolism in the book of Revelation to the Apostle John. And as we'll see, this angel also takes the Apostle John right into the spiritual realm. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And the, the word revelation means the unveiling of divine mysteries. And it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ, his person, and the depth of his character and his work at the, as our great high priest. And it's also the revealing of many divine mysteries, one of those which is the revelation of Jesus' angel. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 19. And let's look at verse 9 and 10, and we're going to look at our first clue. And we've done this many times in different studies. Uh, when you believe that the Word of God is inerrant and infallible, and that the Word of God has the answer to all things in it, then we can use, uh, we can just take the Word of God and do detective work and learn many, many mysteries from the Word of God. Now, Revelation chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. And he saith unto me, Write. And here we see the angel speaking. And he saith unto me, Write. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And here this angel is even telling John what to write. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now there's something here so profound that our mind will reject it, because it does not fit with everything we have been told about the way things should be. And what this angel actually says here is, I am of thy brethren. This angel identifies himself as a member of the human race. Now, also, in the scripture, now I've, I always look at a lot of different opinions of what people say about scriptures. And as I studied this passage, a lot of commentators, or some anyway, they would say, uh, well, the Apostle John here, uh, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't perfect, as indeed he wasn't, and here he mistook this, and he actually fell in to worshiping this angel. Well, the, I, I cannot accept that. The Apostle John with all he said about idolatry, who was now having the most profound experience of his long life with the Lord, he is not going to all of a sudden say, oh, there's an angel, he's just so beautiful, I'll thank all worshiping. No, that is not what's happening here. But what is happening here in Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John had a vision of the risen Christ. You can read the description in the first chapter. He mistakes this angel for Jesus. That's exactly what's happening here. He is in the Spirit having a vision. He sees this angel. He thinks it's Jesus. And he mistakenly worships him. And immediately, the angel corrects him. Now, let's go to the Word of God. 
And let's see if indeed, and of course we know that the Bible is not in error, but let's do indeed go and see if these things are indeed possible because it doesn't fit with our mindset. Let's go to Luke chapter 20, verses 34 through 36. Luke chapter 20, verses 34 through 36. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. So here the word of God tells us that a resurrected man is equal to an angel. So, if this is, and it is definitely, a man of thy brethren, so a resurrected man could be equal to an angel. That's what the Word of God says. Now, in Luke 24, 39, the doctrine of Christ tells us something else. Luke 24, 39, Jesus said, after he was risen from the dead, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Jesus, in his resurrected state, had a flesh and bone body. Now, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, we begin to learn things that make this very, very understandable. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So in our resurrected state, our resurrected body is going to be like Jesus' body, a flesh and bone body, and if the if our body is equal to the angel's body, well, we learn clearly from the Word of God that it is a flesh and bone body that will inhabit the eternal state. Here we have a body of flesh and blood. There, a body of flesh and bone. So this makes it understandable that a resurrected human in a glorified flesh and bone body would look very similar to Jesus because Jesus is now the resurrected God-man at the right hand of the Father and on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus allowed his glory to shine through. But when Jesus did not allow his deity to manifest in bright glory, he looked just like a human being, because he was fully God, fully man. The same is true at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus is not manifesting his glory, he would be recognizable to those that knew him when he walked the earth as the man Christ Jesus. He still has the nail prints in his hand, and the same will be true of us in our resurrected state. Those that know us while we are on earth in our resurrected state, thank God it will be much improved, but we will be recognizable as the same people that we were when we were here, only in a glorified state. Now, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, it says also, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when... He shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And what a glorious promise from the word of God that in our resurrected state, we will have a flesh and bone body in a glorified state just like that of our Lord. And this is indeed, according to the word of God, an absolute necessity. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50, the word of God clearly states, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood 
cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. It is the flesh and bone body, not the flesh and blood body, that will be the body that will us allow us to live in that eternal state. Now, there is one more thing that I might mention in connection with this before we go on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And this is not going to be something I'm going to explore, but I think it's something worth mentioning before we go on. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, concerning the creation of Eve, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now you and I would say, well, this person's my flesh and blood. But Adam says, she's my flesh and bone. And I do not believe that Adam and Eve had blood in their body until they sinned. Now, this is something we could say a lot more about, but for the time being, we're going to leave it right there and we're going to pursue the mystery of Jesus' angel. Now, if we have identified Jesus' angel as a resurrected man, we have a problem that we have to address. How do we have a resurrected man before the resurrection takes place? The Word of God tells us that when the Lord returns, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is not the rapture passage, it's the resurrection passage, the coming of the Lord passage, that when the Lord returns, the dead will rise. And we could look at scriptures like Daniel 12 and Hebrews 11.40 that tell us that the Old Testament saints will be resurrected at the same time the New Testament saints were. But let's look at something. There's some things we need to look at that will help us solve the mystery of Jesus' angel. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 23. Here the word of God speaks of the order of the resurrection. And here it says, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So, in the resurrection, there is Christ, the first fruits, and then when he returns, the general resurrection of the Old and New Testament saints, the wicked and the righteous. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51. And we are going to see that when Jesus rose from the dead, that there were some others that he took from the graves at the same time. Matthew chapter 27, and let's look at verse 51. A scripture you don't heard preached on a lot. Beginning in verse 51 of Matthew 27, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now, that would be quite a stir, wouldn't it? And, by the way, for those that hold to a secret rapture, the resurrection of the body is the resurrection of the body. And if you notice here that the graves were opened, and you always see these rapture movies where it's a secret rapture. Nobody sees nothing. And you know, here in the real resurrection, the graves are going to burst open and real bodies are going to be resurrected and changed. And there's certainly much more that we could say about that. Now, Let's go to Luke, and, and here in this passage here, it doesn't name any of these people that were resurrected here. But we know for a fact that there were many that were resurrected with Christ, not all, but a firstfruits, that were resurrected with Jesus right after he rose. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 9, 
And we're going to identify two of those. We can identify two of them from Scripture that we can, we can say that we don't know really what time they were resurrected, and these two were resurrected prior to this time for very special reasons. Now, let's go to um, Luke chapter 9, verse 30 and 31. And this is speaking of the transfiguration. Luke chapter 9 and verse 30. And behold, there were with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And this is speaking of the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared with Christ in the Mount of Transfiguration. Now there's something here in the text that specifically tells us that Moses and Elijah had already received their glorified bodies. There's something very specific in the Greek and the English text. In verse 31, it says, who appeared in glory. That phrase, in glory, is a specific term applied to the resurrection body of the Christian. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to see this, an example of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 42 and verse 43. Verse 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. There's that phrase again, in glory. That is the term used to describe the resurrected body of the Christian. And in Luke, when it tells us that they appeared in glory, that they were appearing in their resurrected bodies. Now, Moses and Elijah are two very special cases. We all would have to admit that. And we're going to understand why they were so special, uh, hopefully by the time we're done this morning. But in the case of Moses, if we look at Jude chapter 9, there was something very mysterious about the death of Moses. Jude verse 9. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude, and it's Jude verse 9. Now, in Jude 9, yet Michael the archangel... When contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. And we can read from Scripture that when Moses died, the Lord himself buried him. And for some reason, the devil wanted Moses' body, and the Lord sent Michael the archangel to put a stop to that. Now, what the devil had in mind, we can only conjecture. I would think of things like either using his body as an idol or even trying to reanimate it like he does with a, a Nephilim spirit or a devil of some kind. And uh, whatever it was, the Lord gave Moses a resurrected, glorified body to stop the devil from whatever he was doing. And he probably did that right away. I, I can't say that, but I know that when Moses and Elijah were in the mount, they already had their glorified bodies. And for Elijah, we're going to get some clues as to why that might have been the case with him in uh, as we go on. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that proves that Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. No, just the opposite. This proves that Moses and Elijah cannot be the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11 because these two witnesses die in Revelation 11. And here we see that Moses and Elijah have already experienced that change and gone through 
the glorified, their, received their glorified bodies. Moses died while he was on earth. Elijah was taken from the earth while he was still alive. But at some time, we see here from Luke 9, he received his glorified body. But in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and if, and after, but after this the judgment. This verse not only does away with reincarnation, it also does away with the fact that either Moses or Elijah could be one of the two witnesses. It eliminates them. And in prior studies, I have already identified those two witnesses as Enoch and Melchizedek. And I still think that is solid and correct. Now, we are going to go to uh, Revelation chapter 22, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9, then we're going to take our first break, and this scripture is going to move our search profoundly in the direction of the prophet Elijah as being Jesus' angel. Now let's read this. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6 through 9 the scripture says here, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of this book, or excuse me, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel. And once again, if you notice, here the angel is speaking, but if you have a red letter edition, in verse 7, Jesus speaks. So John is in the Spirit, he is hearing the angel speak to him, and then Jesus speaks. Then John thinks the angel is Jesus, and he hits the deck. But once again, the angel corrects him. And here, here we see how that Jesus and this his angel will both be speaking to the apostle John at the same time. And here again, John mistakes this angel once again for Jesus. And when you see how the dialogue intertwines here, you can really see how that could happen. Now in verse 8, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets. He gives a further clue to his identity here. Not only is he one of thy fellow brethren of the human race, but he was one of the prophets. Now Moses was certainly a prophet, but Moses was known primarily as the great leader and the great lawgiver. But when you say prophet, when you say the quintessential prophet of prophets in the Old Testament, you think of the mighty man Elijah. So now Elijah goes to the top of our list for the identity of Jesus' angel. But we're not going to leave it to conjecture. We're going to follow the trail till we know the identity of Jesus' angel. And not just for the sake of knowing who he is, but for the sake of what it means to us. Now, we're going to take our break this morning, and we're going to be right back with a lot more on FOJC Radio Church. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. have a new resource. It's my first solo work, and I call it, Lord, Is That You? A Garden of Memoirs and Blessings. 
several years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me to write. And I told him I'd already been writing with David. But he told me he wanted me to write. And then I had to ask him, what did he want me to write? And I started a couple of endeavors, but it just wasn't what he wanted. And so finally, after many struggles and even being homeless for three months and several years later, I finally completed the book. And it's a collection of uh, the journals that I kept for over 29 years, plus the teaching lessons the Lord gave me, and um, most of the, the prophecies that He ever gave me and their fulfillment. And then I had some poems and some worship songs I put in there, and that's why I call it a garden. It's a collection of some different things, but it's 220 pages, and we offer this resource, number B20, for a suggested donation of $25. And the proceeds from this book goes to help uh, the survivors that contact us. And um, many times they do not have the money to uh, donate for any resources that they need. So we always give them things. So all of the money from this book goes right back into the ministry. And I praise God for having touched my heart to write it and helping me to complete it. And I think it's a worthy read, not just because I wrote it, but it's very encouraging and um, stimulating. And it would just bless my soul if someone could read this book and, and get into the presence of the Lord and give their heart to the Lord and be uplifted and have hope. And that's all that I could ever ask. So if you would, just make a note of this. It's a resource, number B20, and it's called Lord, Is That You? A Garden of Memoirs and Blessings. You're listening to FOJC Radio where truth in the Word of God is found. When I wake up in the morning, put my feet on the floor, I thank Him for the day that He gave me one more. I give Him all the praise, the one that I adore. That's Jesus, oh, that's Jesus. I was lost and all alone, my heart didn't need a help. I found eternal life. I lost my fear of death Because I know the author Of my every breath That's Jesus Oh, that's Jesus Out of glory Majesty The Holy One Who died for me If you're a soul that's lost and in need of direction, you wonder when you die, if you'll go to heaven, oh friend, I found the answer. To that very question, that's Jesus, oh, that's Jesus. God of holy majesty, the holy one who died for me, who's the one I long to see, that's Jesus. Oh. 
Welcome back to our January 11th, 2015 FOJC Radio Church broadcast. So thankful for all of you studying with us this morning. And I want to say next week, for the first time in 2015, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Passover together. We're going to have an intense lesson next week and we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Passover and be prepared to partake of that with us. It's going to be a blessing to your soul. Um, Also, I want to say that it's not proper to say that human beings become angels when they're glorified. We become equal to the angels. Now, the word angel means messenger. And the word angel can be referring to a celestial being angel, or it can be referring, as we see, the word angel can refer to a a glorified human that's a messenger. So, there's some very profound distinctions there that we need to keep in mind when we we look at the Word of God. And uh, this certainly is a, a paradigm changer. Now, let's go to the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And we're going to see that uh, the tale of Elijah certainly isn't over. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. These are the last two scriptures in the Old Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse now that word curse is shirim shirim it's number 2764 in the strongs and what that word means is to ban curse or exterminate something It means to devote something to God for total destruction. And this is the word that was used in the invasion of Canaan when they placed the Nephilim cities of the Canaanites under the Shirem. And everything was devoted to God for destruction. And we remember the story of Achan in uh, Joshua 6 and 7 where he took that thing that was under the ban devoted to destruction and uh, it brought about his judgment and death and boy there's a whole lesson there but we understand here that we're talking about the entire earth being put under the ban for total destruction that's exactly what this last um, scripture in the Old Testament says will be connected with the return of Elijah now let's go to Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter 1, and let's look at verse 17. And this is where, in the New Testament, the scripture from Malachi is quoted. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And here it's speaking of John the Baptist. And it says in Luke 1, 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, you notice here that the last part of this scripture was not quoted. He did not quote the part about the entire earth being put under a curse. That's because that was not to be fulfilled at that time. We see the same thing in Luke chapter 4 when Luke is quoting Isaiah 61. Uh, He stops short 
of quoting the last part of Isaiah 61 that will be fulfilled when the Lord returns. And this is a common thing we see in the way that the Holy Spirit in the New Testament quotes Old Testament Scripture. Now, let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 14. So there is an unfulfilled portion to the ministry of Elijah. But it's definitely stated here in Matthew eleven fourteen that it says here, speaking again of John Baptist, and if you will receive it, this is Elias or Elijah, which was for to come. So John the Baptist fulfilled the return of Elijah to earth. Yet this did not fulfill the ministry of Elijah. Because in the last scripture of the Old Testament, that Elijah will curse the entire earth and put the whole earth under the ban of destruction. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 9 and 10, and things are going to begun, come into even clearer focus. Revelation chapter 21 verse 9 and 10. And here the angel gives us another huge clue as to his identity. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now here we see Jesus' angel carrying John away in the spirit and he identifies himself as one of the seven angels to the seven churches. And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 and 3, there are the seven letters to the seven churches, and it's addressed to the angel of each church. So now we know that this angel that interprets the book of Revelation throughout is one of these seven angels. Now, this is going to help us to understand the dual aspect, not only of the ministry of Elijah, but the dual aspect of the ministry of the seven angels. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, let's look at verse 25 and 26. Luke chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Now, Jesus says here, But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. Now, this three years and six months was the time of the judgment of God in the days of Elijah. Elijah prophesied it. He called it out. And it's an amazing story how all of that happened. But three years and six months is also the time of the last half of the 70th week of Daniel that will contain the time of the Great Tribulation. One of the common errors of prophetic teachers is that there is a seven-year tribulation. There is not a seven-year tribulation. The last half of Daniel's 70th week is three and a half years long, and within that time, a shorter period even yet, is the time referred to as the Great Tribulation. Now, Let's just read the whole scripture again to get the flow. Verse Luke 4.25 But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land but unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And God sent Elijah to the widow woman to miraculously provide for her and preserve her. Now, in the book of Revelation, 
there are seven angels to the seven churches. And the Lord says that if we do the things Christ says, that we will be blessed and rewarded as overcomers. But if we do not, we go over and we see seven more angels, which are the same seven angels. There are seven angels that blow the trumpet judgments. There are seven angels that have the judgment of the vials or the bowls. And this is exactly what happens. If Christians do not live in obedience to where God can bless and preserve them, they are going to be given over to the judgment. And we see this dual aspect in the life and the ministry of Elijah. Now, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1, and let's read verses 10 through 12. And it absolutely, and, and what does the revelation of the identity to, of Jesus' angel means to us? Well, it means, number one, that because God is revealing this, these things, there's a revelation of Jesus Christ that's getting deeper and deeper into his person, his doctrine, his presence, his plans that he has for his body. There's going to be a revelation of the man of sin where we are going to know and understand exactly who the man of sin is and exactly what he is going to do. And this revelation is giving us certainty that we know that these times are certainly soon at hand. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 1, and let's read verses 10 through 12. On one hand, Elijah was sent to the widow woman. And uh, she was even a Gentile of the city of Sidon. She had no power, not even nothing to eat. Yet God sent this mighty prophet to miraculously preserve her. Now, on the other hand, in 2 Kings, we see these emissaries from the king. In 2 Kings chapter 1 and verse 10, And Elijah answered and said to the captain of the fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So we see Elijah in his ministry, three and a half years, he preserved the widow woman, yet he called fire from God down on the mighty. As one of the angels of the seven churches, he preserves and protects those that are faithful and obedient to God and overcomers. And as one of the seven angels that has the seven plagues, he pours out the judgment upon the mighty. And this gives us an absolute pattern of identification that Jesus' angel in the book of, the, of Revelation is the resurrected prophet Elijah. Now, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And let's read about Elijah. And this gets right down to the nub of what's wrong with the church today. And there are so many things. But the faith of the church of so many is absolutely wrong. They have faith in a lie that they can sow a seed and uh, believe God for a hundredfold return on their greed seed, but they don't have faith to believe that God can preserve them in this coming time. Well, let me tell you this morning that if God has to, if you keep your faith and trust in Him, He'll send a bird to feed you. In, in 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Now there's a phrase, before whom I stand. It was used repeatedly by Elijah 
And when the mantle of Elijah fell on Elisha, it, it was heard on the lips of Elisha. That was the secret to Elijah's power. It wasn't anything in himself, but he knew the secret of the secret place. The Lord God before whom I stand. And what did it say of Moses? It said of Moses that God spoke with Moses face to face as one man speaks with another. It was the relationship with God of Moses and Elijah that made them exceptional. The Lord God, as the Lord God liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah prophesied it to the king's face. God fulfilled it and did not let his words fall to the ground. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Sherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Praise God. Let me tell you, God will take care of his people. Even if you are the lowly widow woman that has no strength and no power, God will send that prophet. He will send a raven. He will send whatever he has to send to keep you and preserve you as a witness for him in this last time. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11, Elijah was a perfect type of the end time church in the tribulation and he is the perfect type of the ministry of the church in the book of Revelation and he is also the one that's going to execute it. So you can see how the last scripture of the Old Testament of the return of Elijah smiting the earth with the curse the, the trumpets and the bowls are going to consummate in the final total destruction of our earth, the destruction and the ban of all that will not bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Second uh, Kings chapter 2 and verse 11, at the end of the three and a half years, not in the middle, not at the beginning, but at the end of the three and a half years, in Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 11, and it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And this, of course, is the true pattern of what will happen to the true remnant of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of that three-and-a-half-year period of the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, we will be caught up in the return of the Lord, just like it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, not the rapture passage, but the parousia resurrection passage. Now, one more scripture I want to look at this morning. Micah chapter 5 and verse 5. Micah chapter 5, verse 5, and I am going to have a clue unto who the seven angels are. We cannot say for sure, but I believe that this prophecy of Micah is connected with that of which we're speaking this morning. Micah chapter 5 and verse 5, the scripture says here, and this man, and this is right after in verse 2, it prophesied of Jesus being born in Bethlehem in verse 2. And it says here, And this man, meaning Jesus, shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. Now, principal men means humble, anointed men. And I believe that these are going to be real men that are alive during this time period. Might be some of you. But the seven shepherds, 
It's very interesting. And if you see the angels of the seven churches, they provide a shepherding and protective role to the seven churches. Now, it's very interesting that when Micah wrote this in the 8th century B.C., it was a full hundred years before the rise of the Babylonian Empire, or I should say the rise of the second Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar, the first being in Genesis 10 with Nimrod and uh, Semiramis. But in the 8th century B.C., this was the century of Assyria. The Assyrians were trampling underfoot everything in their path. They were the original terrorists. And there were, in the 8th century B.C., something that has never happened at any other time. God raised up seven prophets to prophesy to his people during the Assyrian oppression. And the lives of these prophets all overlapped. And they were Micah, Isaiah, Hosea, Amos, Joel, Elisha, and the most dynamic of all was Elijah. I believe that it is possible that these seven shepherds the Lord prophesies to come will are the seven angels of the seven churches and that they will be Elijah and these other resurrected prophets. Now, one more scripture. And I know I said the last one was the last one, but one more. Revelation 9-11. And this brings the whole thing into clear focus as to why it connects with the Assyrian. In Revelation 9 and 11, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. Both of these words mean the destroyer. And we could identify the Assyrian, the fallen being, from Ezekiel 31, Exodus, Isaiah 10 and 14, as the Assyrian, as the beast of the bottomless pit. So once again, Elijah will be dealing the final destruction and judgment on the Assyrian. Now, we're going to close out in a word of prayer this morning. And what we learn from this is, most definitely this time is at hand, and the time is now whether you're going to be an overcomer and come under the protection of the supernatural realm of God, or whether you're going to bow the knee to Baal and come under the ban of destruction that's going to fall over the whole earth. Next week, be ready for the first time in 2015. We're going to celebrate our deliverance from the destroying angel of the Passover, who was the Assyrian. And we're going to celebrate that together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for each and every one that's listening this morning. Father, we just pray that you mightily bless us and give us everything we need for a life of victory and overcoming. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And we will see you next week on FOJC Radio Church. Thank you for being a part of FOJC Radio Church. You can contact us at FOJC, Post Office Box 4174, Evansville, Indiana, 47724-4174. Or you can call us at area code 812-473-4174. 
1-800-242-3735. Or you can email us at lastdayschurch at cs.com. Or you can check out our website at www.ritualabusefree.org. That's all one word, ritualabusefree.org. That's R-I-T-U-A-L-A-B-U-S-E-F-R-E-E dot O-R-G. And please remember to tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Thanks and God bless. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.